1: Welcome to Expanding Reality. I am your host, Brandon Thomas. On this episode, guys, an incredibly special one, we have Teese Snyder. He is a writer, director, a producer, an editor, an actor, an illustrator. And if that's not enough, he's a podcast host of the badass show Conspiracy Synergy, which is, of course, a lighthearted approach to the darkest themes of our time. Now, Teese is badass. Now, uh, we talk all about the nature of reality, um, consensus reality, of course, what is real. We do a dark, deep dive on the mind of our time right now, and it is fascinating, his perspective on everything. Could not recommend him enough, and so all of the ways, of course, guys, to find him are going to be located down in the show notes. Take advantage of that also while you're down there take advantage of our resource links located down there for all of you to enjoy as well as check out expandingrealitypodcast.com. go on over there uh, become an expansive insider we actually had a panel uh, posted over there an AI panel talking about ancient AI and it featured I mean Dave Zed uh, Mason Schumann beings we've got uh, devil's advocate we had Ben uh, Rosenberg who we had on a previous episode and of course T Snyder featured on that as well go sign up to to become an expansive insider so that you can check that out. And all of the other bonus stuff, we have bonus episodes, the cool collaboration I'm doing with Dave Zed, uh, It is badass. You guys definitely go check that out. All right, so without any further ado, let's get to this incredible conversation with T Snyder. All right, ladies and gentlemen, T Snyder hanging out with this. Uh, You're a badass, dude. Writer, director, producer, editor, actor, illustrator, podcast host of uh, Conspiracy Synergy, which is a badass show, all the ways, of course, to find you linked down in the show notes. How you doing, brother? Everything going well?
0: Yeah, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on.
1: Fuck yeah, dude. Well, you're a badass, like I said. And uh, we have you know, a bunch of mutual friends here. You've, of course, been on Charlie Robinson's show, Macroaggressions. He's been on our show, good friend. Also, uh, we've been on Union a few times, and that's where you and I met, was on the Union of the Unwanted. And it was awesome, dude. I had a great time talking shit with you, and uh, we are going to do just that here tonight as well. So with your work, man, I mean, you do so many damn things. How do you keep it all straight?
0: I don't. It's all bent out of proportion, and it takes me along for the ride, and then I learn something by the time I get back.
1: (laughs) It's like the perfect answer for an artist, a creative, anything like that. Uh, Well, then what got you into filmmaking in the first place? Because you're a badass filmmaker, man. I saw some of your shorts on your website. Again, guys, going to be linked in the show notes. Uh, So what got you into that?
0: Uh, I started off, like, knowing I was going to be an artist really young. I I never really had a choice in the matter. And uh, filmmaking specifically, I saw the first Jurassic Park in theaters, like, 14 times, literally. And I wanted the soundtrack, but they didn't sell them there. So I, like, smuggled a tape recorder in, and I was obsessed with the thing. And I was trying to, like, come up with a sequel for it, basically, out of plaster scene, and then film it in my garage. And then I realized no one's going to give a kid money to make the sequel to Jurassic Park. So I'm like, I guess I could write a book instead. That'll be a cheaper way to do it. So I started writing my first book back when I was like 10 years old or so. And I didn't finish it until I was 13. And the whole filmmaking thing got put on the back burner for a while until I eventually went to film school in New York where I did a 9-11 Truth related short film as the reason for going there. And so that was the transition from my garage and my childhood dreams to seeing the reality of it firsthand.
1: Badass. You know, we have a synchronicity that we didn't talk about before this. Uh, Jurassic Park, after seeing that, I went to take it upon myself to write another movie for it uh, that was from the perspective of uh, Dr. Alan Grant being left there or something like this. He's on the island. He's by himself. No kids, by the way. The kids muck it up for me. They're annoying as shit. Uh, And so he had no kids, but it was his diary. And then there were other people there. Like it was this whole. Thing So we have that in, in common. Now, it was one of the things that made you want to get into filmmaking because of Jurassic Park, the scene with the tyrann- Tyrannosaurus and the cars are broke in front of it and the goats standing there, obviously on ground, just right over there. And then whenever the car goes over the edge, spoiler alert, guys, then, uh, you know, there's this like 50 foot drop off uh, Were you like that wasn't explained or that's ridiculous. So I need to make a better film to kind of combat that type of shenanigans.
0: No, like, I guess so, like, kind of the underlying idea of what is the thrust of your art and what's it geared to do. For me, I always felt like language was something that we use to extrapolate the greatest depth of ourselves and everything around us and that was always something that was kept from children because you're treated as children you're not treated as people and so the forward momentum or thrust of my desire to be able to communicate probably stemmed more from just like what was a relatively patronizing environment and then like the wellspring of attempting to communicate a great deal in narrow confines and then having to grow in the face of it and so it's like it was never really just like The logistical nitpicking, although the more you do filmmaking, the more you realize it literally is just like logistics hugely and understanding like the assembly of all these different like threads, almost like on a porcupine's back. And the better in which you do it, the better in which it flows in continuity with itself. So it's kind of like, yeah, for me, it started with that emotional thrust and then later it became the other logistical side of
1: things. We just do so many things and it's so you're so wide variety in your interest even on the projects that you take on so what is the project that you are most proud of so far
0: oh that's that's an interesting question i'm i'm actually proud of the fact that i don't just have one that I've, I've really enjoyed going into and that i've tried to go into a variety of different directions because all of my work centers on controversy and it uses uh the framing of our assumptions and approaching controversy almost in a guarded way as like an active participant or character within the narrative scaffolding that's created. It's almost like a jungle gym that our assumptions go through in order to flush out our own interpretations. And so if you understand the road that someone's going to take looking at something like a good, like physical example from filmmaking is uh, Kubrick in one of his films. Uh, I don't remember the title of it, but it was a war scene and it was in the trench and people couldn't figure out how he was able to get that shot without seeing the dolly tracks. And they were in the shot the entire time. You're just looking at the explosions on the top of the the frame. So there's a similar psychological component to us that enters into the filmmaking process. And that's, that's the thing that I try and put into everything. So all of the, almost like genres that I do are an excuse to bring it back to a moral I'm trying to communicate. And, and that's what I'm really like trying to be about with, with my work. So yeah, not one thing, but one approach to everything.
1: That's fair. Uh, is there a common theme throughout your projects? try and wake
0: people up to like more complicated stuff. Get them talking about controversy in a way in which we're not so butthurt about it because a lot of the most painful things that we're going through in reality are because we don't really engage with, I guess a reflective apparatus, you know, something that allows us to really get an insight into what that is for them and what it ultimately means for us. And then to be able to change who we are because we understand that and move forward in a better direction. It's like, I want to encourage that somehow. And it's, it's really difficult to do it when it feels like art itself has almost been kind of like industrialized and packaged in a way in which it's like, you're eating a candy bar. You're not uh, realizing that something that's going to be a part of you later. And so, yeah, it's, it's like almost a fast food appetite for entertainment. And, um, I'm trying to figure out now, I guess in, in that entire world, because it's, it's kind of like a beautiful thing at the same time, you know, uh, how do you get those ingredients and mix them together to be able to speak to people who are in that environment all the time? And that's sort of what I'm doing now with Conspiracy Synergy is making inter- an interweb show out of all of like the fragmented shrapnel of media that we've been exposed to for so long. And yeah.
1: That's perfect. You know, uh, you taking on conspiracy as an occupation, I mean, that's that's job security, right? Do, do you think that there's ever going to be a time to where people just get it and to where you don't have to make you know you don't have to feel like your job here is to wake everybody up that people just finally see one of your films or something in mass and just be like oh yeah yeah we get it do you think that will ever come
0: that's a really interesting question as far as like do we ever think we're going to reach a point where we wake up and i think the answer is yeah um it's going to be very peculiar however that absolutely ends up unfolding because i don't think it's going to be like Right off, I think it's going to be a jagged line of uh, weird, dramatic events that accompany it. But eventually, yeah, I think people are going to figure out. I don't really hold out hope that it's going to be me as a singular force that sees that kind of crackle into the public consciousness. I think it really is one of those things where it's granular and it's it's all of us sort of just like shuffling along together that make those really significant movements. But I think we're going to get there, and I'm hoping that it doesn't have to be the, like, hell hellhole nightmare that it has been the last couple of years of people doing everything in their power to hold on to the old paradigm. It'd be nice if people could just breathe and turn around and recognize that, hey, maybe there is a better direction we can go in. And so I think that's something that, like, all of us in the alt media, it's like we're trying to have the conversations that facilitate that happening in the granular way with everyone. Yes, we're going to get there it might suck (laughs) on (laughs) on the other (laughs) way.
1: Well, and that's fair. That's, that's a, that's a honest answer. And I appreciate that. But do you, do you think when you, whenever you say over time, you know, we've been making improvements over time, technically since humanity has been here, right? Do you think that we've evolved or devolved as a species?
0: I think we do both. And like, um, it's like, I'm trying to remember the culture, but the saying is it's the breath of Brahman. It's the full, uh, upward and downward dissension of uh, the various different points of our evolution, such that we densify our consciousness or become, let's say, more materialistic, almost oriented in our uh, cognitive uh, and perceptual processes, such that you can look at it as almost like a left brain modality, that kind of like materialist mantra. so we've hit, made peak de- descension already and we're just starting to come out of that and begin to creep into the, uh, the stuff that hopefully is a little bit more, more bubbly and nice, but it's like, I've, th- I've, I've used the seat, the, um, the metaphor we're speaking with you before, like off camera of a seed coming out and, and pushing through all of that. So when I say bubbly and nice, it's, it's pushing through a lot of shit along the way and, uh, and growing in order to be able to reach the light,
1: you know, um, Whenever I look at things like this, I look at, you know, and I know you do, too, about movies like Idiocracy and we're like, ah, shit, you know, that's a documentary. Like you can look around and see a lot of the themes in that movie being acted out right now. Um, What makes you think that we are, you know, like what gives you hope for the future that we're not going to end up just saying, welcome to Costco. I love you.
0: I think if someone tells a better story or if we start telling better stories to ourselves and each other, then in the short term, we can make those the reality rather than these large looming kind of like slabs that have been handed to us as, I don't know, sort of like prisons that we entertain and also laugh about at the same time. And like they have their purpose, but it's like, I'm really curious about the idea of people retaking storytelling. And that's kind of like what the podcast community is in a way, because we're all able to hear different people's takes and interpretations of their lives. Uh, but as that happens more, I think that'll be the really keynote thing. Yeah,
1: it's, It seems like that people and perhaps what's gotten every humanity astray is just our attachment to things that are unauthentic. And it seems like what now is prized is the authenticity. That's what people want. We want to see who you are. We want to see all your faults. We want to see real. And it seems like the this great deception, whatever that is, and I hope to get into that with you whatever that is, people are over it and people are just like, I'm done being lied to. Like it was cool. You know, the real housewives of whatever was a lot of fun for a little bit, but now I'm over it and this is not something I want to participate in anymore.
0: That's, that's really interesting. I agree with that insight. I'm hoping that continues to be a forward trend of people. And, um, I think it's one of those things where we're we kind of move i don't know if that's the right word but like an amorphous blob so that we're we're all going in this direction almost like a herd from an overhead perspective of sheep similarly we're a herd species so it makes sense and then we start to veer off and kind of like it, it takes its form moving in another way and so yeah if it becomes where truth and knowing about this stuff and caring about it is like what's in or what's cool and at the same time, you have to look at how that evolution has happened with, like, academia and these sorts of subjects in that realm. I kind of want it to go mainstream, and at the same time, I worry about what it would look like and if people would just confuse or conflate the truth for, like, making it trendy. Yeah, so it's it's all those things that make me wonder about what does that blob do as it uh, finds its way through that that whole uncertain future. Yeah, you
1: know that that word truth is. Uh, The more that I look at it, very, very subjective. So do you think that there is one truth for everyone?
0: There are certain truths that are applicable to everyone in certain realms of consciousness. You're subjective experience makes that very difficult to discern at any given time. But you can look at natural laws like the binding and immutable terms and consequences by which uh, karma comes to unfold on a cosmic scale. And that's like illustrative of the objective truth inherent to the laws that exist in this particular realm of our incarnation Go go different places. It's different and different times. It becomes different things, but like, it's there, it just isn't everything. So it's kind of like certain, framing allows the the paint to to be hung from it's more like that so it's it's like an approximate scaffolding that allows the the rest of it to take form in a creative way that that we co-create together that's my attempt at describing it anyway
1: that's perfect that's such a badass way to describe this um okay well i am very curious then uh what was the first hint that you had that things are not what they appear
0: so like in an intuitive sense, I always knew it because I was creative and I was looking at the school system as this thing is here to kill me. It, this is a torture factory. It's awful. It's a nightmare. Everything about it sucks. And it did. And so I was the class clown and I was put in the dumb class because I didn't take anything seriously. And I backtalked all my teachers and that gives you pretty good insight into what they think dumb is. You know, if you don't do what you're told and that's really all it is. So I always knew in that sense. And I gradually had like chunks of the absurdity knocked out as as you go through life um that's just when you realize that those chunks are there but it takes a while before you whack away at the entire display and it's like oh man wow this this entire thing was a stage i thought it was just fake flowers you know yeah and so it's like those those kind of progressions yeah
1: well, I, the what's funny is the, um, I guess, layer of deception that's going on here. And yes, like you said, once once you see a couple of things and they're validated in your observation of reality, then it's everywhere. You see it everywhere. So you being like the master of conspiracies, let me ask you this. Do you think everything's a conspiracy?
0: Well, everything's a conspiracy in that it's uh, there's an uh, an association with it intrinsically as a force in nature it isn't even necessarily something that's personal you can look at like the cells in your organs as an example yeah it's you but i mean there's a lot to you and there's a lot that goes into you at any given time there's the external resonance of things their interaction with the water inside of you uh the cellular processes of your genetics blah blah, blah. i could literally do that for like hours and i still wouldn't encapsulate everything that is going on so it's like yeah, it's all a conspiracy, but a lot of that conspiracy is just how things work. The the stuff that's hidden from us is are things that affect us that we don't necessarily interact with yet. And so it's like at what point is is there a line between just like the nature of the complexity of of interacting organisms versus the conspiracy that seems to be more like the molds that they're grown in so i use the example in the show of like a watermelon can grow inside of a mold so it's like it all is that interconnectivity pushing up against some degree of what could be a conspiracy which really just hinders or or stops its ability to take its natural form and so it has to go another way and that's sort of what figuring this out is. It's like we're we're boring into the ground to see which parts are, are like, I don't know, treasure chambers of knowledge versus which ones are just like something else altogether. And it's, it's a really interesting back and forth between the idea of what how nature works and what's been hidden from us about nature and what that conspiracy is, because that's really what this is. It's like, what is the nature of reality and what can we actually objectively verify and discern? And it's a it's a trip. And the further you go into it, the feels like more of a fall. Yeah. So.
1: It's the rabbit hole, uh, and you've, you've got wonderful uh, graphics because you're a badass illustrator, too. So, of course, guys, uh, linking all the ways to find him, go check out the website, check out his stuff. But you do the rabbit, the white rabbit. That's one of your in- illustrations, and it's badass. It pops up in the video when you raise your hand, too. I know that's intentional, which is brilliant, by the way. Uh, again, I just love your, love your content anyway. You could do nothing and just sit there and speak, and it would be badass. But... You choose to uh, make sure that it's a good uh, visual experience for the observer as well. And so I appreciate that. Um, So with. uh, Oh, go ahead.
0: Oh, no, sorry. I, I didn't realize I was cutting off the question. I just want to say I appreciate it. Thanks for the, thanks for the card words.
1: Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Well, it's, it's badass, man. Seriously. Credit where credit is due. I know how hard this thing is. And for you to make those, I mean, uh, it has to take you so long to do that. It's an insane amount of editing. But you're really, really great at it. And it's obviously your passion. And you have the wherewithal and the intent to actually see it to the end. So that's badass. And you do a great job at it. I just wanted to thank you for that and offering that to us. Now, as, as far as conspiracies go... You know, um, the term conspiracy theory, of course, was uh, rolled out by the CIA for anybody that wanted to talk about uh, the JFK assassination as other than the official story given to you by your mommy and daddy government, right? So what makes you proud to wear that badge of conspiracy theorist?
0: It's like, for me, I'm just trying to get everyone to understand why the systems are as corrupt as they are, and then you can only really go so far with people based on what they're dealing with on a material level. And we're still so much in that thing that I get that some people kind of like leapfrog to the religious perspective, and I, I can work with that, but it's like, it's getting people off their feet, wherever it is they're at in, in the spiral of collision that we're all kind of caught up in and uh, giving them a point of sort of orientation about some of the basics because there's a lot of landmines and and uh, really difficult times that go along with the emotional kind of side of coming to terms with all of this. And um, it's trying to make other people a little bit more prepared for it than necessarily we were, because we had a lot of the information kind of like, but not assembled in in a quick fusion that people can sort of like sip to get into their system and then use that to propel them later on for like actually delving into it if they're so inclined. And that's, that's a really different kind of like warp speed. Um, device of application and aptitude on the receiving end that we have for the first time. So it's taking the kind of like the experiences throughout all of my work as an artist and also of studying uh, conspiracy and then experiencing it firsthand and exploring reality uh, to then present that to people in a palatable and fun experience so that they don't have to go through that bullshit too.
1: <laughs> it's a heavy cross that you carry, man. It really is. And I, you know, fought the good fight. I uh, Paul revered for decades, man. And it got to a point where it's so toxic for me that I, I will absolutely tell you about this. And if anybody has some questions, I will absolutely tell you. But as far as charging out there and doing the type of work that you do boldly and taking all of the arrows, man, it's it's something that I don't entertain anymore, just for my own personal sanity. It got way too toxic for me. So you being in the trenches. What is one thing about the type of research that you do that a lot of people probably either take for granted or just simply don't understand?
0: I think a lot of what is going on with all of us right now is that we have our own sort of echo chambers and certain perspectives that we've adopted a particular language to try and describe. And you can look at a simple example of like what is ultimately the force of evil. And people could describe that as like the bad guy in a computer game, something that's inherent to nature, like involution versus evolution. Um, Any note like a galactic fart. You could come up with any number of different things to try and describe (laughs) what evil is but it's like the more versatile you are in the language that you adopt, the more in which we're able to kind of like go out there and nail this stuff down. And yeah, it's, it's like, sorry,
1: go ahead. I, I was just say it's about describing it accurately and in an eloquent yeah. way. It's where it doesn't turn people off or make people too fearful, but it does give them the an, an opportunity to empower themselves with information. And it's a fine balance and you answered it perfectly, but uh, continue on your thought.
0: Oh no, 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 please. Like, uh, Cause it's like, I'm trying to figure out how to wake people up in a warm way. Uh, And that's what the show is ultimately about. It's giving people the basic building blocks to be able to incorporate and then move forward and show their friends and family. Because that's the number one thing that I've experienced in trying to talk about conspiracy my entire life is that it's a conversation that we're not supposed to have. It's, it's places that we're not supposed to look in curtains. We're not supposed to peel back and just trying to like make that a warmer environment so that we can all talk about it like if oh man if we make that not cool but something where people really care about it for what it actually is then that's that's everything so i think it's one of those things where once again all of us in our own way just going out there and speaking the truth we're contributing to seeing that unfold in a granular way
1: yeah. And I love your tagline, a lighthearted approach to uh, the darkest theater of our time. That's a brilliant way to put it because, yeah, there's some dark shit going on here. Uh, speaking of dark shit going on here, what is your like favorite conspiracy theory? And you don't have to be like in love with the ideas or anything like that. Just kind of like what is one to where every time you think about it or look at it, you're just like, what the fuck? It's just the most mind blowing one for you to research.
0: I guess for me, it's trying to figure out how time works in the sense of like there being no separation between the future and the past and the idea of the Akashic records and being able to to glimpse uh, the full spectrum of any road you might take prior to in- incarnation and what that sort of is of you potentially leading yourself as a future self versus what it is to have what some people describe as spirit guides and all that kind of stuff. And then that, that entire realm is really just on the cusp of uh, looking at not not religion necessarily but like spirituality as a science and the evolution of the pathway of our understanding of it adequately to repeatedly engage with it not necessarily to pin down what it is because i mean we, we can use words for things but that doesn't mean that that's what the word is so we can we can figure it out well enough to work with it and be able to move move forward with it and so the the conspiracy i suppose in it, the simplest word would be magic and the exploration of what we currently think of as very stagnant science increasingly beginning to broach into a non-materialist realm that allows us to be able to not just peek behind the veil but understand that there's versions of ourselves behind it looking back that kind of thing
1: Hell yeah. And what you said earlier about um, nature and natural law is what's being hidden from us. It seems like, you know, magic and supernatural. I know we say supernatural, but really it's just science we haven't figured out yet. Or it's a piece of us that is hidden from us deliberately. And, you know, uh, the understanding of which could change everything. Right. So why do you think that that's been the case? Why do you think that uh, we went the direction that we went and the uh, fucking people in power, the lizard turds are so damn good at it? Like, why are they so great at deceiving everyone?
0: I think that it's different environments on the earth are hospitable to different life forms and different philosophical kind of like presets that are the equivalent of how we cope with where we're at in the ascension or dissension of consciousness. So you can look at it as any number of metaphors, but like thinking of it as an environment proliferates life that is hospitable to that environment or is able to change the environment in a way in which is advantageous to that species the consolidation of consciousness and the density that we've been at and how we've been behaving and conducting ourselves as a species that's ripe for parasites. You can look at it from a dietary perspective, microcosm, macrocosm kind of entwined, entwine between the two, but it's like, they're so good at it because the environment has been partially made by them, but it's also something that we facilitated in our bending over for them. And so it's one of those things where, as we sort of stand up, in response to the Archons, they diminish their stranglehold of uh, what we think, how we identify, what we're able to perceive of reality and where we're able to go from there. And they're so good at it because it's a tried and true, meticulous, like inversion principle science in and of itself and we don't understand it at all so if you're getting paddled over the back of the head with something that you don't even understand it you talk about the paranormal as not yet fully understood science oh yeah absolutely and that applies into the dark arts as well so it's like if you look at some of this stuff really deeply for some of the worst things that there are it becomes uh a difficult conundrum given that we can't come to talk about some of the more superficial stuff let alone that whole so yeah it's it's a mess. It's They're good at an environment, plus they've been practicing a while.
1: Man, it is a damn mess. And it's so interesting what you say, too, because, yes, there are so many damn things around here that are so convoluted that it seems like where do you start? I mean, and that's that's, you know, something that I wanted to ask for someone looking into like if they just want to look into Ruby Ridge, how do they find out the correct information and not, you know, um, an appropriation of that information to skew a narrative uh, to confirm what they already feel or to validate their feelings, and that there's nothing to it. And they're like, oh, I heard this tease guy talking about Ruby Ridge, and he sounds awesome. He's real eloquent, he's cool shit. And then I went and looked at it, but it's nothing like what he said. Or the people that go out and look at chemtrail information from the perspective that they're at, you know, and then they go, oh, well, the government said that it's contrails. It's actually not chemtrails. So there's nothing to it. And they don't further investigate it any further because they feel like they've found an answer. Do you ever get to a point in an answer where you're like, yep, that's it? Or do you get to answers and look for more answers to compare the two?
0: Uh, You can get lost in it forever because every different thing that you look at is a complete discipline in and of itself. Uh, Insofar as the tactic that's used that's most successful that you kind of alluded to with people's natural reaction, it's that dissuasion is the best tactic. And that's when you discourage people from looking. And it's a game of cups. So if they at first glance get the feeling that it was absurd to look at all, then that's what they remember. Um, and it's like a lot of this is just emotional traps. It's like it's psychopaths who understand us well enough to understand how to bait uh, everything. And yeah.
1: Using the same dark arts that they gaslight us into saying is not real and stupid and conspiracy theory and there's nothing to it and you're unstable and you're going to get locked up. But they use the same dark arts practices to pull this veil or this great deception over everyone. It's fascinating
0: it's really interesting because like you can look at it and i always find it helps to bring it back to a point of of empiricism that everyone can relate to and it's just like all right i'm going to build off of the things that we can all agree with and then i'm going to demonstrate off of building off of those things that at a certain point it begins to curve into either the unknown or what we think of as impossible because the unknown and the impossible are basically the same thing as far as we're concerned and then you can sort of almost build that back through a variety of other different examples to show people that Potentially at a certain point, the entwinement of consciousness and what we identify in the material world circle back on each other such that we're creating it from a deeper sort of resonant like byproduct of our aggregate conclusions in the world than it is necessarily derived from the material from the onset. So if a certain point of the curvature in that description, you can get people to make the quantum leap and realize that, wait a minute, maybe we're more creators in this whole thing than we are simply acting in response to the materialist matter. And and it's kind of like that formation of adding up the ones and the zeros to get us out of the binary.
1: And this is something I'm very interested in. You know, I've been uh, talking a little bit here about how it feels like that we are the true creators. There's a small percentage of us who are creative who can kind of see things and we are the true creators. And then it feels like the people who are perpetrating all the things that that you speak out against that we're not fans of, that they're actually the manipulators. are the ones that whisper in your ear because they can't create themselves. Do you think that there's anything to that?
0: Oh, yeah, no, that's the difference of terminology. It's uh, sorcery versus what it is to be a magician. Sorcery is when you're using magic or uh, spells or any denomination of manipulation. It could be something as simple as the way in which you phrase things. Like sophism is an example of that, and it would fall into that. You could look at George Soros as a chaos sorcerer. So that's an example of like people in particular bureaucratic jobs that do something that you can also look at in a mystical and esoteric way. Uh, But that's the difference is sorcerers use that for their own benefit, whereby magicians use it for the benefit of everyone. And it's in accordance with what is divine will, basically. So a simple way to understand that is, are you doing it on behalf of your will, lowercase w, or the will, capital W? And that's, that's kind of like the dividing line between what these arts are, what their application is, and what the intention of the alchemist is in their application.
1: Yeah, because at a level, it does feel like there's just some huge Hogwarts secret going on, and we're all just being told that we're muggles. We're not yeah. actually muggles. We're being told that we are, and we believe it, which is the yeah. worst thing. Yeah, and that's a good
0: way to frame it. I like that. That's nice,
1: yeah. Please, pass it around. Do a whole damn video on it. That I'll just take a small shout-out from you, sir. Thank you. So what what do you think is this place? Like, what is this reality? Do you think that's that's the question? What do you think this place is? I don't know if
0: it's one thing, but if it is, it's a school. And for a lot of people, it feels like a prison because it's the hardest level. And so there's a lot that goes into that and there's a lot you get along the way. And it overlaps with all other times and uh, seemingly incarnations as well, um, potentially in the animal kingdom may well spiral out to different. Places and different points of which in which we've been entwined with the stars. I love a an internet quote to make that all sound a little bit less crazy, and it's I, I, I don't know who said it. Obviously, it's an internet quote, but uh, yeah, you're made of stardust, but so are garbage bags. So relax. And, and I think that's pretty great because when you start talking about like the furthest reaches of the cosmic infinite, what have you, that we're all spiraling through as, as spiritual beings in these flesh suits, it can eventually sound pretty crazy until you realize that it's like, no, no, that's, you can figure that out. Yeah.
1: I like the track. yeah, it's like so are butt plugs, right? You know? It's like you know, <laughs> yeah. those are made from Stardust too. Um they just end up in somebody's starfish. There you go. Yeah right. Um but um So uh let me ask you this. I don't know any Canadian conspiracies, um, besides poutine. So what is what is a Canadian conspiracy that, that you're that you're a big fan of or that you think is just so stupid ridiculous? Like so, so a Canadian.
0: Lot of, a lot of that is is that we're in essence just sort of like When you look at the development of how the the historical acquisitions of the crown paved the way for, for colonial interests in a geopolitical way, you understand that all the world has ever been are various different economic regions in order to see things into being. You can describe the United States, not what it came out of from like the founding fathers but more of like what it became as an industrialist military power as sort of like a prophylactic that was inflated and used by mi6 to fuck the world with and canada is sort of like the backwater fur trading post that is then like there in order to be able to give something like 70 percent trade partner with the united states so a lot of what we think of as separate conspiracies are just like the logistics of drawing superficial lines when it's all the same bullshit system that underlies the things that are going on on the surface so Canadian conspiracy is thinking of Canada as if it's anything other than just like a continuation of colonialism and MI6 given like a superficial lie of culture so that we can like go out there and say A and drink beer and play hockey and stuff like that's the same thing as having an identity while we sat down during 1776 because we didn't have the balls to participate in anything other than licking the boot so it's like the Canadian conspiracy is Canada itself we're, we're basically here to facilitate the continuation of the system that was set in place from the will and Testament of Cecil Rhodes. And we do a great job of it. We're like, we're bitch whipped. It's bad, man.
1: That's awesome. Uh, but you guys got a Tim Hortons, right? So that, that, yeah. that must count for something. We,
0: yeah. yeah. That's what we got uh, out of the whole deal. It's like slavery, a bunch of like murder. It's like, <laughs> so th- I've skipped over the native American genocide. There's a lot going on, but we got shitty donuts that are even worse than Dunkin donuts. So <laughs> we got that going for us. <laughs>
1: It's so funny. Uh, Yeah, no, it's interesting, and especially when you put it in the broad picture that you do. And this is the thing, though. It feels like, you know, the distraction does a great job at distracting you and diffusing your energies, right? They keep you in a slave system that makes you tired of shit. Uh, You come home, you've got, you know, challenges in being a consumer in this reality. Uh, You have all sorts of things that drain your energy, that suck your ability to wake up from your, you know, theta Brainwave state uh, and just absorbing information and to actually do something with this, you know, with all of these breaths that you're given and the amount of air quotes time that you're given here. And it seems like this challenge, this struggle is what perpetuates the cycle. It's these distractions, right? And I've been, you know, kind of articulating it into the sense that anything out there yelling for your attention, turn away from. You know, that's the inversion. It's, it's job is to distract you from the job that you're really here to do, which is to create your life, to learn a lot. In this level, though, with that in mind, in this level, it feels like part of the schooling is figuring that out and figuring that deception out. What do you do after you figure it out?
0: I don't. Re- OK, I kind of describe my job as like diving to the bottom of a very deep pool and staying there as long as I can to figure out anyone who's like hit their head and doesn't know what's going on and needs a little bit of help getting out of that. Um, So my breaths of anything near Christ consciousness are few and far between, and I'm not there and I'm not aiming for it. I just need to get people off base level and drifting in that direction for people who are further along than me to pay them the proper attention, given where they're at in that calibration of, of weight that we feel. Cause I almost feel like I came installed with certain weights attached to me, not just the ones that I acquired while I'm here. Uh, it, because we all do that. It's like, you're going through the motions of, of, trauma every day it's like oh god right so it's like it's <laughs> tough for all of us but it's like I've always just been like more comfortable with the idea of sitting in or staying in that place and It's kind of part of what my humor's entwined with uh is the idea of like being able to take anxiety which is what's directly tied to laughter remove the anxiety and then it brings that levity and and we all laugh and so it's like the the upper echelon of that I get why we all orient ourselves to it but it's like It's tough in times that are as dark and hard as this for a lot of people to see the light. So it's like I'm almost like trying to figure out how to how to survive and speak of it in the trenches, because it's like and I understand what you mean, because it's important to know where we're going. That's what Jesus was talking about with the whole language of the North Star. That's a very particular thing. If you're thinking of like what it is to align yourself with that, you have to know that and you have to understand it. But it's like, I swear to God, I go out there and I talk to people in an anecdotal way, just like when I'm protesting and stuff like that. And so much of what people want is just someone who listens to them when they talk. And it's like, you can give them the answer that's at the end of this. But if they don't feel like they have a friend right now, they're not even going to make it to the end of your sentence. So it's like, that's kind of like a lot of what my reflection on that is.
1: Yeah, and this is why politicians are so successful is because they, you know, relate. Oh, I'd have a beer with that guy, you know, kind of thing. And that's funny (laughs) that it's like such a poisonous, you know, socially acceptable uh, form of being social uh, that that is the thing that would attach you to go hang out with these, you know, lizard turds for a little bit, whatever they are. Uh, It's just interesting that the relatable thing that the people lying to them forever. And it just seems to be like, just because they have like street cred with them, you know what I mean? They have they had street cred with your parents. Therefore, you know, you at a certain level have been told you're, you know, up until you figured it out that this was the way. And you believe that, that was at your core. And this is the shit that you kind of unwrite whenever you start discovering these things and figuring it out for yourself is, that's when you free yourself from that mental prison. And that mental prison is just the thoughts that, don't align with the way that you feel. It's the actions that you're air quotes forced to do that don't follow natural law, and you can feel it. It seems lately that so many more people are feeling this way, and you know, air quotes waking up. I know this, is great, you know, oh, everybody's waking up. We're kind of you know tired of saying it, but I'm I'm happy to say it as many times as we need to because this is important. You know, this is what makes us not repeat the failures of our past. And this is something I wanted to ask you. History. What the fuck is going on with that?
0: Oh, it gets so bad. If you start to look into it, so much of it is lies and deliberate like hijacks of interpretations. Because like when you understand how something actually works, it becomes very easy to create a lie that looks just like it. Yep. And there are so many different things you can go into. You can look at the world's fairs and what technology did exist or didn't exist at certain time periods. We've arguably had flight in a modern uh, like creation going back a hundred years prior to the Wright brothers. And that doesn't even factor in potential ancient technology, which may as well have, have given a similar, if not a significantly more advanced abilities or aptitudes. And that would be like, if you get into like the Atl- Atlantean perspective. Um, and so history is like commandeered so much by materialism and, and that entire, all of the industrialists that went along with those philosophical premonitions. Cause it's like Darwin was ridiculously wealthy. And then the, the, the dude who repped him basically like going out there and ensuring that his his positions were heard his nicknames like darwin's bulldog so it's like you've got a bulldog who's like kind of like the strong strong strong-arm philosophical enforcement of a very very wealthy person who's grafting all of us to a materialist interpretation as they make money off of materialism in an industrialized way and they only make it so that that's all you're able to see whenever you go out and look at anything so history is like tucked away in the crevices or like sealed vaults of an entire class of people who have had all of the money in the world for as long as we and our parents have been alive to gradually tell us a very particular story that we then use to define who we are. And peeling that off is just like, oh dear God. So it's a lot more complicated than we've heard. It's a lot weirder it's It's painful to go through sometimes. It never stops being amazing. And it's one of those things where it's 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 okay to take a break sometimes because, man, yeah, there's a lot to unpack.
1: Dude, well said. well, fucking said, man. And yes, it is it is important to detach from this, even though you are on a damn mission here. and i I'm smelling what you're stepping in, brother. I feel your passion with this because, like I said, I completely empathize with the way that you feel. Uh, it's just, I, uh, I approach it differently now, like, but I've, I did what you did not damn near, not anywhere close to what you do as good as you do it. But I was, I was really into the, this is my mission here. And I, I think that's a very noble thing. You know, you figured out something you're wonderful at, something that's you're passionate about and something that's unarguably the most important thing that one could endeavor upon is to take the arrows like we talked about earlier and still get up every day and say, you know what, there's more bottom of the pool dwelling to do. And I'm going to be down there hanging out whenever you guys are ready for it. So again, it's just, it's just this very interesting, impactful path that you've got. And it's also interesting that you said you, you feel weights. I mean, like the karmic weights of other lifetimes and everything, but also that, that you accrue more here. Excuse me. So do you think that you just are destined in every life to, take on more and more weight to be more anchored to this type of like a job or whatever?
0: No, I think that there are calibrative traumatic impacts that orient us at certain points of development that also are illustrative of potentially past life experience and the way in which you would Uh, through incarnative blips almost be on a straight perceivable continuum of that gathering of experience it can also potentially similarly be interpreted through the genetic model of what we inherit from our family and the idea that you can look at even the raw biology of a woman it's like those eggs are in two generations because they're fully formed at birth so they are passing from person to person and it's like i think a lot of it is kind of like because we are spirit infused with matter it's some that is the materialist side of things so there is that side that's going with it and then there is also the other thing of like what are we here and what we are are incarnate for ultimately our our purpose at this particular time not specific to all of existence is to allow that weight to be diminished and incrementally be able to bring ourselves up from it the reason i describe myself as being so comfortable down with it is because that's sort of like looking at the reality of where we're at right now yeah, <laughs> and just yeah. being like, I'm going to look at the reality of it. I'm going to stay light about it so that we can get people off the ground and understand the direction to go with it. Uh, but we're ultimately where we're at is we're coming out of the time wherein we've been accruing the, the greatest mass of that karmic consequence. And it's our responsibility more and more to be able to let those things go and to be able to let the the weights that really are holding us down diminish as we're able to make sure that even those who are the weakest amongst us are still able to find find the courage and the strength to be able to ascend. So it's, it's that balance of the whole thing.
1: What, How would you feel if, um, let's say, you were granted some sort of access or information to reality and everything that you thought about this place is completely wrong? How would you feel?
0: Oh, yeah, that would be really... That'd be really interesting. Like I've I've had similar versions of that in one denomination or another, and that's why I find it so interesting. It's because it's designed to be a hall of mirrors that you're supposed to get lost in, right. and so that's that's almost a part of the design. Uh, that's why it comes down to the symbolic emergence of the story that you are telling yourself about yourself as you go through the labyrinth. So in a metaphor from a film, you can look at like the top that the dude has in inception in order to be able to tell if he's still dreaming. So a lot of understanding what your process as One of the co-creators is, is identifying sort of like glimpses from yourself in the future. And they're very custom tailored specific things. And so it's like, Navigating what is a hall of mirrors and understanding that some of it is just like a materialist potentially load dock of digital physics as us as characters in a video game, all the way through to us literally being like the a central character and a custom tailored thing that's entwined with the cosmos. Like, It's one of those things where it's just so much that it, if you take it as anything other than a personal experience, you get lost in the complexity of it. And so it's actually very easy to return to Mm. as much as we can go out and look at all that stuff. You can just bring it back and then you can begin to move forward from that step.
1: What do you think the next generation of people is going to look like with a bunch more folks like you and I running around out here, raising children to be mindful about their surroundings, to really be present in the moment and to never take anything at face value. What does that generation look like?
0: Well, the future is sort of like splintering in two primary different timelines. I describe it. Every moment is like an infinite number of timelines, but they are, in essence, you can think of them as in certain arterial channels of flow that go with them. And those are flows that go in different directions. It's your higher self and it's your lower self. And the way in which you are actively participating in every moment as you go out into the world and what you're resonating and spreading in accordance with the objective truth that apply to all of us and your understanding of what's happening in that time. As you go through that, you're basically able to swim in a certain direction of time. And so two different foundational arterial timelines are beginning to take hold based on you and what you do. And it isn't just what you know or how you feel, it's what you do, because every different day is going to be you swimming along that timeline to make sure that you're in the right ar- artery. And it's slowly kind of ve- going to veer off that way. And the process of veering off that way is those two timelines happening simultaneously. And it's the transhumanist side of things, which is that things are going to start to get pretty messy and, and freaky and weird as we move into future technology in a... Uh, Mass human experimentation model, the likes of which we've been seeing, it's its a nightmare that's really going on that's going to continue to happen as long as we continue to allow it. And simultaneously, there's the, the framework of asking the question that you described, which is what is it to be a more conscientious and conscious individual out there actively factoring that into the aggregate in order to make sure that as we go through these traumas, we're able to learn the best lesson and to be able to help one another because of it. And so it's like it looks like the evolution of that that drama and that storyline and us doing our best every day to to do what we can to be able to come out of it in the version of the future that we chose from our highest self.
1: See, this is the idea of like the 3D, 5D, third dimension, five dimension split yes. thing. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> excuse me. Now, what's very interesting about this is now you're. You've got this in a very uh, visual way, pretty similar to what Dolores Cannon was talking about, about Earth being physically split. So, I mean, I've heard different people with different ideas, and I'm I'm fine with any of it. I'm just curious, curious what your take is. Do you think that there will be a physical split here to where it's not... Like in the movie The Time Machine, whenever he goes and like falls asleep or whatever, and the time goes super far in the future (spoiler alert, guys). Uh, then you know he wakes up and there's like these underground beasts that are horrible, and then there's these people that live on on the surface that are very peaceful and kind of you know more conscientious, like what we're you know striving for, right? Do you think that's what it's going to be? That these two completely juxtaposed ideas are going to be even further apart, more solidified in their resolve, and existing in the same physical place at the same time, or? Do you think that there's going to be some sort of maybe even mass migration to a different dimension kind of a thing to where we don't physically see that anymore?
0: I don't know exactly how the materialist perception of our ascension of consciousness will come to influence both what exists and so to how we perceive it. So, so much of that question is tied to a time of interpretation and also like the language that we use to look at any given time of an interpretation is always like heavy and and lofty and weighted with our assumptions from a different time. So you can just look at like the movies that came out in the 70s uh, about the future and everyone in space had afros. That's a pretty good reference. So it's like... uh, uh, the way in which we we glimpse those things, so I, that's why I kind of return to the notion of interchangeable or uh, illustrative language that it doesn't necessarily denote the definitive reality, but kind of like gets us moving in that direction. So that's the things where you could look at aliens as. Uh, Maybe they're divergent timeline beings. Maybe it's a different dimension. Maybe they're angels. Maybe uh, they're um, an artificial uh, intelligence hologram or something of that effect. Uh, maybe it's just like a schizophrenic episode. Maybe some acid that you ate in your sandwich that you didn't know about pushed you over. It's like, so there's like all these different conceptual frameworks of language to try and point to the objective reality. The best thing I can say again is that the time s- says so much of what the phenomena is. And with where we're at right now and the language that we use and the, the concepts that we point to, we're getting closer to being able to actually like answer that question for what it is versus just still like swimming in the mess of is it a physical rift or is it a, a metaphysical um, like metaphor, like an, an analogy, an analogy, sorry, uh, that's that's trying to say something that we don't ourselves yet have found ourselves at the point of time that we need to have the language to be able to point at it and be like, that's a this, you know? So I have no idea, man, it's, it's going to be a trip, whatever it is.
1: Well, it's a, it's a perfect way to put it because whatever these non-human intelligences are, our ancient um, records from them say they describe them as chariots, you know, or fl- winged, you know, gods or serpents or dragons or something like that because that was their technological frame of reference. And so, yeah, who knows what this looks like whenever we are able to articulate it in a better way, like our language has to, catches up with our observation basically it's just really interesting to me again how all of these things interface with our reality how we interface with them in exchange but then also the variety of things that are going ape shit crazy right now It, it it just it's so much right and and so even even now the perceptions I mean from a year and a half ago when I started this show Uh, You know the perception I had on non-human intelligences or ET or whatever has changed so damn much just based on the information that that I've been sharing with folks and their stories and you know reading their books and everything and it has just taken me to such a convoluted place to where like it in my mind now I'm having a real tough time with consensus reality I'm having a very tough time thinking that we're all in the same place, we're all having the same experiences, simply because of the contact phenomena and the study of it and how different it is and how varied and how interpretation drives the experience of what people feel. And so this feels like also what we're experiencing in this life now. It it seems that the, the split of reality and stable base, just, yep, you can count on that. You know, uh, that's what seems to be at most at stake here do you think do you think that that's accurate
0: uh yeah i know what you mean because like the cia's unofficial policy is there is no truth and that isn't necessarily because they believe it it's because they want everyone else to believe it because then they just accept whatever it is that's happening and the more in which you crazy uh, or uh, do crazy things it really does push kind of that threshold of what I was describing before with the illustration of materialism on one side, and then it becomes immaterial on another and sort of what you were talking about with aliens and where you're at and your interpretation of them, it kind of steps up with my understanding that after a certain level, all technology just becomes consciousness and that's all it is. And it's the application of consciousness and doing that in a particular way, relative to the time and your entwinement with other things that you might not even fully understand yet. So like quantum tunneling as an example, so there is no separation. So it's like, at the same time as questioning consensus reality, it's like, I can't conceive of anything other than an interconnected consensus reality. It's just the connections are so vast that it's almost certain that in our entire life, some of them will just never grasp or never understand. And it's like, I wonder about what the process of like the furthest stretches of our evolution of the species, you can use like Star Trek language of like Q, that kind of character. It's like, what is it to get to that? And it's like, yeah, after a certain point, it's literally just nothing other than you're this mind, you're this thing that just like appears and does stuff and controls things and is all that is. And so it's, it's like us, the specs trying to draw that introspection.
1: Yeah. So, and, and, you know, it seems like here the, the options that we have at our level of, you know, experience here, I guess in the, in this human body is to go really, really dark or not so dark and lighter and, and more conscientious. So it seems like that's what we're limited to here. It's more of an emotional kind of experience that we have rather than this physical ability to instantly create things and to instantly manipulate the matter in our reality. So here it seems like I, I agree with you on the school thing. Like that's what if I had to plant my flag, which I don't, but if I if I did, it would be on more of just it's a school, it's a ride, right? It's just you're here to experience, learn, touch, smell, taste, see, and hear everything you can before you go, oh yeah, by the way, there's aliens, you might see one, don't worry about it you know, things like that. And so this physical plane of existence, it seems like that's what we're here to do. And this may also be why history seems to repeat itself, almost like it's a program, like it's a loop, like you need to experience this reality with this set of things, but that just evolves with different, you know, air quotes, time periods. Uh, In this experience, like the 1800s, the 1500s, things like that, that affords you an experience within that window of time. And then it seems that, you know, the same old nonsense and divisiveness and, uh, you know, fuckery seems to pop back up and then, you know, humanity kind of falls for it again against our greatest intuition. And then we get slipped back into, you know, cycles like what we are experiencing now, but that also is the ebb into another cycle. So it, it feels like that that's what's going on here. And this may be why, you know, people feel like this is a prison, all that kind of stuff. Uh, do you think this is a prison?
0: I think that it is for some people at certain times, but a lot of how you just describe the landscape of what this co-created reality is, is illustrative of the idea that it's a realm where it's our reactions that are ultimately our actions. Because so much is out of our control that when you're in a realm where you're not this helpless, but this subject to your surroundings and the thoughts and feelings of everyone and all of it in a very micro way, that makes it so that it's like yeah, it's, it's so beautifully specific and, and overwhelming at the same time. And um, I can see people seeing it for a prison, but at the same time, at a different time, it might be your day to get out or to be able to think of something in a creative way where you're able to move past the karma, either that you accepted in coming here or that you inherited from the last time you came. And it becomes one of those really difficult things of speaking to a person in a moment versus pulling away from that to the expanse of time. Um, But I I agree with your kind of like underlying assessment of like those different like kind of breaths in and out of the species failing and what our reactions are, are ultimately the, the test of that time to see if we're able to move to a better time. And yeah.
1: Yeah, it's, it's kind of like, and I've <clears throat> just kind of described this place as, you know, uh, in shape, like a toroidal field, right? And so as you experience life, life is created out of your assumptions of it. And then it presents you with that. And then you learn and grow. And then that spits back into yourself, which then is a direct link to source or, you know, the mainframe, whatever you want to say. And then with the understandings that you have based on the, on the template that they're giving you, a new reality with those understandings now pop up. Now, this being a dualistic experience, you're going to pop up with some that are extremely good or some that are extremely bad. And that's a very reductive way to just say dark and heavy energies, whatever. Uh, But it seems like you're presented with an equal amount of your new experience with the energies being dialed perfectly to balance, or you are experiencing something that is coming at you that you're responding to. And basically the way that you interface with the things that are air quotes popping up in your reality are also sent back to source or data collected at some point. You know, we all could just be like a data farm. Like, like we are the data, you know, like we have it or social media and shit. Like we're the data. We interact and interface with our reality in a way that we process information that spit back into the system. And then it presents us with new realities, slightly different, but based on our understanding. And we call that growth, but really it's just reality presenting itself to you in a way that now you're ready to navigate through. Does that make any sense? Yeah,
0: yeah, no, that makes sense. It's kind of like a projector that we continuously get sucked into, and then we project yes. ourselves out of. And uh, like, I, I agree with that whole assessment about um, that being the thing that's going on, uh, and the idea that we're supposed to learn from it. Um, at a certain point, when you go into the the study of consciousness and the recognition of narrative and patterns, and uh, what is the art form of the idea of trying to incarnate certain um, entities or beings at certain periods of time or planes uh, and you can once again you could be talking to a ham radio on the other side of the universe I don't know exactly what it is but whatever it is the the methodological refinement of those calculative processes and what they allow us to glimpse as a species um, and so it's like it's really interesting to try and think of how to escape from that projector how to, how to stop it from being a prison how to be able to project the, the full spectrum uh and from the akashic record perspective what that is is remembering because time is the idea that that's happening in that film-like sequence in order for it to be happening and so more that you get into the the consciousness uh literature and that kind of stuff a lot of what that sensation is uh can be remembering either past lives which from like early or life kind of like memory it's like it tends to get paved over by four to six years old Uh, in that window is when you start to see those kind of things replaced and it's variable for every individual. But that's when it becomes like, is it just experience and how much of it is memory? And that gets into that whole thing of how much are we connected to of our future selves. And, and all of those things become like a bigger projector that we get sucked up into as you enter the next cycle of those those ever revolving and unfolding cycles of our spiraled growth because it is the Fibonacci. You know, it isn't just that we're going through it. It is that it then eventually reaches the point where you escape it. And you're able to grow up enough to go into a completely different paradigm altogether.
1: Yeah, that's what it feels like, is that we are spiraling up, but that the <clears throat> our reality kind of orbits us as we spiral. Not necessarily that we're moving through it, but that we're creating it as we experience it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, that's a good way also to think of it in that there will be uh, and you can look at it from the astrological astro- uh, car- charts or, or any number of different points of insights for like uh if, if you're menstruating uh, if you're at a point in your cycle whatever your energetic uh, kind of like rotations are it's also a good way to think of it because it's like you're going to have those heights and you're going to have those dips and it is your reactions to it that that it's the the hardest part right now you know because it's like they're just trying to paint up and down as the opposite of one another and then that's the test is literally most of the time just like going outside and being the one who's sane. Like yeah. <laughs> on a daily basis, that's the hardest thing, though.
1: <laughs> I, I don't disagree with that at all. Um, it, it seems like there's more of us out there. But yeah, uh, a lot of times it feels pretty damn daunting. And a lot of times it's like, oh, man, I'm not doing this right again. So let me ask you this. Uh, if given the chance based on your current understanding now, you don't have any insight other than what you have now. Would you ride the Earth ride, the human experience ride again?
0: I think that whatever my future self is, for whatever reason, said yes to that. I don't know why that is. Uh, (laughs) My past self is definitely a no. Where I'm at right now, it's like, uh, ah, could be okay, but there's still so much suck going on that it's, it's, it's a variable bobbing ball every day, and I just try and learn what I can from it to be able to factor that into art a little bit so that other people can smile about it.
1: I love it. And we just met. So, you know, I think that from here on out, you're absolutely going to want the human right again. This is, this is only up from here, brother. This connection right here. So I love that. Um, okay, so what gives you hope for the future? What gets you out of bed every goddamn morning, man, to just keep fucking plugging along at this human game?
0: Uh, consciousness, I think, is the short answer to that, in that I don't have any choice but to be conscious. And I keep waking up every day, and that's a recurrent either dream or nightmare or whatever it is. But the thing that gives me hope, I guess, is that, we really do have the power to change things. It can take forever and it can suck. And it, it kind of like zaps your life force. But if you're here for a purpose, that's what your life force was anyway. So it's kind of one of those things where, yeah, it's nice to enjoy it and to try and uh, be happy with it. But after you reach a certain point of understanding of where we're at right now and what people are going through, um, you realize that we're in a process of changing the conversation so that that's all everybody's talking about. And we aren't wrapped up into Marvel movies anymore where we able to take those kind of like encapsulative nuggets of nostalgia and use them as beads to decorate uh, a mosaic with that is illustrative of the reality. So we can take kind of like the memeified glimpses of the, the dredges of our past and use them to illustrate on artistic canvas a better future. So it's a very interesting kind of like hall of the matrix to come out of because we all have similar stories that we've been privy to like jurassic park us both writing a a movie as derived from that that gives us a point of reference for a whole range of insight and knowledge that we can then share in a lush bouquet amongst us and paint with that brush of the internet and that's something that creatively just looking at what memes have been and what they've done for our ability to converse and what podcasts have been and moving into the future of what all these artistic collisions are going to be Because like the greatest culmination of what the entire podcast casting world would be is if people created artistic infusions of the best explanations for um, various different, let's say, seminal outposts that can be used to to reach broader and broader environments, kind of like I talked about with the aspiration for my own show and a, a calling of your own. And so it is just basically continuing to do it, whether you're forced to wake up to it and at the end of the day, you're able to pull out some reason for it. Uh, maybe 10 or 20 or 30 years down the line, uh, it won't suck so much to be a part of it. And so hope isn't always, but it has a tendency to return. That's
1: a great answer. Goddamn great answer. Uh, What is an undiscovered discovery uh, that you're looking forward to, I guess, getting the knowledge of within your time? I don't know, man. I don't know. Like how the pyramids were built or... Um... Yeah, but
0: that's already, we know that. That was like the, the, <laughs> the resonant harmonic technology that makes things like float uh, on a certain frequency. It's like... Yeah, like Coral Castle. Dance, yeah. yeah. And it's, I don't know, I guess... Um, it'd probably just be to glimpse associations after you pass or something, just because I'm always curious about how things actually work versus like how I just interpreted them. But I don't think I'll ever in a mortal sense get any real insight into that. So that's just kind of like oh, I wonder, but I don't regret because I don't see the point of that emotional investment. But I, I kind of do just entertain the wonder in a way. And, but then maybe it ruined my fantasy and it did suck too much. I don't know. It's uh, it's one of those five lines.
1: I'm going to laugh how eloquent you are, how much sense you make, how practical you are, how just how your mind works. If you get to the other side, whatever that looks like. And there's some dude standing there with a clipboard about all of the things you thought were real and you declared and all of that. And you base your existence on (laughs) and then he looks at it. You got like two right and you failed. (laughs) And, you know, like Trudeau is the one that got all of them right. And actually, this is the way to live. And we've been we're the bad guys for fighting the system. That's the board are supposed to. (laughs) No, no, no,
0: no, no. I understand the entire outcome premise That's that's uh, not one of those things that I'm going to be able to be fooled about because I'm the guy who will end up in that realm. Look at the guy who's telling me why I got it wrong and still argue with him because I understand the difference between right and wrong. So, yeah, but
1: this is like my dad. This is like what he talks about when I tell him about this shit. He is. Unresolved in this, like he he will not even look at it. It is a non sequitur, just like you. But you're enlightened to some things. He has the same confidence being unenlightened to things, and so it seems like again it's back to consensus reality because in his world, everything he believes functions exactly that way because he can see it, he can observe it. But same yep. with you. The opposite is true in your world, and you can see and observe it and feel it. And this leads me to another question: What are your thoughts about flat Earth?
0: so i think that is a metaphor i can understand it because it overlaps with the premise of planetary spheres and everything i think a lot of what the the movement reduces to is because god said it it's the idea that it's it's a directly literal interpretation i can understand their frustrations with nasa because it's the acronym is never a straight answer They're, they lie about everything it means, everything. To, it means um, to
1: deceive in hebrew yeah yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. uh when it comes to the raw physics of it, uh, my understanding is that in order to create the uh, large suspension bridges that are on Earth, they have to take in the curvature of the world in order to be able to build them. So at a certain point, it becomes like a practical overlap with our reality. So far as I understand it, it is actually a sphere. And then it comes to the most underlying uh, component of the entire thing, which is if you understand that there's a, a satanic-like blood-worshipping called that sacrificing babies on an object, do you put your en- emphasis in trying to stop that from happening, or do you debate the shape of the table? So for me, I have a tendency to gravitate towards matters of life and death that factor into uh, our ascension process. And like I said, I can understand it as a metaphor, as a point of insight to planetary spheres, but all those other kinds of are my like two cents on the matter.
1: See, I think it's so interesting. You, I absolutely value your work, and I think what you do is incredibly important because we need that part of this. And I look at it like, well, if we don't know who we are, if we've been lied to about the structure of this place, that unraveling, that just even figuring that out um, would would kind of just change everything for everyone. But not everyone would see it that way or believe it, right? Because it's already a crazy conspiracy theory, which is something else that I wanted to ask you about. So, what is real in your mind? What is Fucking real, man. Is there anything real here?
0: I think reality is there. Our interpretation of reality isn't as aware. And so it's, it's something that it's like a carrot that we're constantly chasing or a direction that we're constantly turning. And so it's there, but that doesn't, like I said, mean that it's the same thing that we interpret. And it becomes a very precarious thing of orienting yourself with certain things that you understand to be true. And two plus two equals four it does we can use different number sets to illustrate the language or a different language itself it's like do plus do you know it's like yeah it's the same thing but it's still an underlying truth that if not necessarily true come time we snap out of this was nevertheless true while we were in it and that's why once again so much of it comes back to the time and using that as a point of reference for calibrating the, the truth and then trying to figure out that uh, juxtaposed with your subjective, which is an endless maze. So good luck with that. I don't know. It's there. Good, good, good luck finding it. <laughs>
1: well uh, T Snyder all the ways to find you will be located down in the show notes dude you guys go check him out uh, further investigate his work he's fantastic you've got a ton of books we didn't even talk about uh, all the ways of course though to find you your Twitter and your um, website will be located down in the show notes so dude I can't thank you enough and we're gonna have to do this again and we're gonna get a we're getting together with for a panel show at the end of this month so that's great you guys you'll You'll be looking forward to more of this in a in a setting with a few more folks. So, T. Dude, thank you so much, dude. We've got to have you back. I really appreciate it.
0: Yep. Thanks for having me on,
1: man. Damn, that guy blows my mind. I'm Definitely going to have him back on. Make sure that you guys go check out the insider panel about ancient AI. You got to go sign up to become an expansive insider and move us along on our mission here because we're all on the same goal and purpose, and that's what it's all about. And that conversation is over there, and it's mind-blowingly phenomenal. If you love this, you will love, love, love that. So go check that out. Absolutely. All the ways to find Tease are located down in the show notes. Guys, check out his website and his films and his podcast, Conspiracy Synergy, for damn sure. Uh, all of our resources located down there as well. For all the links, check that stuff out. Opus, lipsen all that good stuff. Uh, as well as go sign up to become an expansive insider at the link, expandingrealitypodcast.com. It is located down there for everyone to enjoy. A bunch of bonus stuff. That is the direct and focus, and I'm grateful for everybody that's signed up. We're having a blast over there. So if you're not over there, go check it out. Linked down in the show notes. So guys, go out into this incredibly crazy, mind-blowing, whatever the type of reality this thing is, and y'all go ahead and pick up a piece of litter if you don't mind, that'd be super cool. As well, if you're interested in raising the vibe, uh, go ahead and buy somebody a meal or a coffee in line around you. Something super small goes a super long way for everybody raising the vibe there as well as just being pleasant, just open doors, you know, be nice to your fellow occupants of this environment, whatever they are. And then uh, of course, get out of the left-hand lane, because that's a wonderful way to raise the vibe. You got somebody behind you wanting to pass there and above all and anything else, guys, go out into this incredibly beautiful place, whatever the hell it is, and y'all just be good to one another. Thank you so much for watching, listening and engaging. I love you all. We'll see you next time.